listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of What the Dev, the ST Times podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about conferences and uh, training uh, the software development industry has certainly relied on conferences for a long time uh, to get their uh, people trained up on the newest uh, technologies and things. Uh, the pandemic, of course, uh, threw a curveball into all of that. Uh, but actually, one of the things we saw about that was actually a huge increase in online training and online conferences. So here to talk about it with me today is Ali Magyar. She's the founder and CEO of a company called Hub which uh, handles and monitors and, I think, produces uh, conferences. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, excited to be here. I've spent my entire career, last uh, over 20 years now, in the meetings and events space. So obviously the last year has been some massive change, and I predict that's going to continue to happen as we go into this new world of, of digital focus as well as a return to some in-person elements as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, uh, from your experience, is the, is the quality of the instruction the same whether you're at an in-person event versus a digital event uh, in terms of being able to interact with the speaker perhaps after the session or get a question answered? Or what is, is, there, is there a drop-off in quality from in-person to digital? Is it a better experience? Uh, what, yeah, what, well, I think in general, it's about what is the content that you're delivering and what's the best format for that content. Nothing can really replace a small group discussion where everyone is active and there's lots of questions and answers and, and basically you're learning from each other and it's a very active, engaged conversation. But the majority of education at conferences and events is a talking head. It's someone presenting at the front of the room. They're teaching you about specific concepts. And so I look at this and think pre-pandemic, I used to manage really large-scale technology events, 40,000 people, and I was the lead planner. And so many people would complain. The room was too hot. It was too cold. The chairs were uncomfortable. There was no power, so they couldn't take notes on their laptop. They didn't get a chance to interact with the speaker at all. They were mobbed at the end of the session, and they didn't get their question answered during Q&A. And sometimes I think we forget about these things pre-COVID, and we just remember the good stuff. Right. And so when I think about education, education, what we have found is so much better served in an online setting. I can be comfortable and in my own workspace. I can have headphones on. I have power. I can take my own notes. And most importantly, I can interact with the speaker throughout the presentation so that if something is presented and I don't understand a concept at the beginning, I can ask a question, get it answered so that I can actually engage in the remainder of the content. So instead of just being one of the lucky two or three people that got their questions answered, we're seeing so much more engagement throughout the content. Content. Mm-hmm. So this is where I think as we go into this new world of events, as event organizers, we need to think about how we're doing things differently. Is there on-demand content available prior to the event where you get a basis of knowledge and then in person, the value is just pure Q&A and interacting with that speaker in a room? That's huge value. But if you ask me how I want to consume, I would rather be comfortable maybe in my sweats with my own environment, my own ability to take notes because I learn better that way. Right. Now, one of the things I'm curious about is I know a lot of people like going away so that they can actually not be distracted by all the things that are in their office while they're at an event trying to learn something. 
But if they're sitting in their office watching a video, the phone could ring. They could get an email that they have to address right away. But I guess that could also happen at a live event. Uh, they get pulled out of a room, right? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the data from how people consume even at a live event, think of how many times you've gone to an event and you attend the kick, the keynote kickoff and then you do some networking, but then you go back to your room for the afternoon to answer email, take phone calls, and then you go to an evening event. So right. again, I think this is the pre-COVID memory that's playing tricks on us, you know, of <laughs> right. even when we were in person, we were still consuming digitally. And so I look at that and I think there's been a, a progression, you know, at the beginning when virtual events were first happening last spring, it was constant multitask. No one had their out-of-office on. There wasn't space and time created. But I've seen more and more people's out-of-offices saying, I'm at an event this week. Sure, it's virtual. That doesn't mean anything. I'm still heads down on learning and educating. But I think it's also in this new world, just as humans, we're balancing life differently. And better. Like we're going to attend the parts of an event that are extremely compelling to us, but we're also, we still have to get our day job done. That happened even in in-person events, right? You couldn't just say, oh, sorry, I'm at an event for a week and I'm not going to respond to anything. If you could, that was a huge luxury and props to you because I don't know very many people that could do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. That's a good point. So it's interesting. People keep talking about, well, when will conferences get back to normal? And is there a normal or is this kind of hybrid approach that you're talking about what you see as the future for uh, events? Yeah, I, you know, return to normal is a phrase that should just get thrown away. There is no return. To that would be like saying that we're going to forget all the innovation and all of the good that's happened out of the last year, which sometimes we have to search pretty hard to remember the good in the last year. But part of meetings and events is there has needed to be a digital transformation for years. Part of our jobs as meeting planners and strategists is to create environments for people to learn and meet their objectives. That's our job with meetings and events. Mm -hmm. And so if we look at what this digital revolution has given us, it's given us the opportunity to do in-person events for those type A personalities, the diehards that, you know, they go and party all day long and all night long and all they want to do is talk to people. Those weren't the people in the sessions anyways, by the way. Those were the people that were just constantly in the hallways and the expo mm -hmm. floor. But it's also given us an opportunity to say there is a whole group of people that learn better online where they can engage in a quiet environment, they can pick and choose, they can have a different type of, uh, when we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, that's a part of how we create environments. And so I liken this to when I used to run major tech conference keynotes, right? I would have signs up that said pyrotechnics and lights and, you know, loud music and lots of people in this room. And that would be our opening keynote, but I would warn people about that. Mm -hmm. And then I would have overflow rooms where there was none of that. It was just a live stream of what was happening in the room. I was creating two completely different types of environments. Right. And that's what the digital revolution gives us is, okay, you've got people that want to be in person. Let's create unique value for those in-person attendees. Right. And some of it may look normal because you're going back to interact human to human, which we haven't had an opportunity to do. But then what I don't want to see our industry do is lose the ability to create that other environment from a digital standpoint, because there has been so much good that has come out of that digital environment as well. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. There are obviously many different platforms that we're seeing now that people are using for their uh, for their events. Is it possible to. Uh, replicate an in-person event online. You know what I mean? Where you walk in and there's a lobby and there's signage and 
there's a virtual expo hall or there were breakout rooms and your little avatar is walking around. Uh, is there any more benefit to that than some others that I see in that are just very stripped down, almost like long webinars of 20 minute blocks, of different speakers is, uh, what do you see your opinion on that? Well, I take it back to meeting planning 101, which is how do I create an experience that allows people to want to participate mm-hmm. and th- that brings them value? And I think oftentimes we get caught way too much in the shiny bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. Who cares about an avatar? If I can't figure out how to get my avatar walk- to walk across the screen, I'm out of there, right? <laughs> so I look at things, and when I when I used to plan Microsoft Ignite, one of the phrases that we had was KISS. Keep it stupid simple. And so I take that approach on everything. I did that in person. How do we make it so simple for people to be able to consume and to have the right experience? So when I think about how to bring an event to life digitally, there is no need for all of those bells and whistles. Sure, you want surprise and delight moments. You want people to engage. But that means that you want to make it as simple as possible while still getting that wow factor. And so I think we need to focus on the core of what we're trying to achieve with our events and then create the right environment for that. Mm-hmm. And there is no one platform fits all. There's different objectives for each event. There's different audiences. There's different technical aptitudes. Because you might have a group of developers that all they want to do is hack new AR, VR, XR things. And so you want to create a platform for that because it'll make them want to go play with it. But if your audience is a bunch of nurse midwives that don't normally use any technology, do not do that. You want something super simple. But also, you know, not every event uh, fits into a virtual event platform. If it's just a two hour session with different speakers, sure, that can happen on Zoom. But to me, that's not an event. An event is multiple concurrent things happening. There's moments of connection. There's a lot more to pick and choose from. And so you need the right platform to support that experience and to make it simple for your attendees. Right. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that. But uh, another point that I wanted to kind of get at is that conferences are really serving multiple audiences. You have the attendees who are going to learn, but then you have a lot of sponsors who are there trying to help people navigate through uh, the market space and what tools are available and, and things of that nature. And how has all of this impacted them? Do they find that they're uh, better interactions in person in a real expo hall where maybe they could show a demo or uh, just online where they also could show a demo, but uh, maybe it's not, there's no uh, facial connection. It's all texting and things like that. No conversation. Personality doesn't come into it as much. Yeah. You know, how does, how does it work for, for, uh, for that side, the, the sponsor or vendor side? Well, yeah, and our partner ecosystems are so incredibly important to our success, right? So if you're hosting an event, you absolutely want sponsors to get value. And again, this is that pre-COVID memory happening, David, because, you know, before COVID, I would run expo floors with 300 plus exhibitors. And how many times did I have an exhibitor come and complain to me that the traffic wasn't very good or their booth wasn't in the right location or they weren't getting the leads that they wanted? This was not something that happened just because of COVID. This was something that happened prior to COVID. And so if we look at how people uh, participate, it would be like telling a, a sponsor to go into their 10 by 10 booth and to never leave that booth and expect that people are just going to come in hordes. That's not going to happen, right? We already know that's not going to happen. Right. And so I look at that and say, you know, so many people are saying, well, I just need to go back to in person. So my expo floor, you know, my sponsors won't participate if it's digital. I just need to go back in person. 
And my response to them is, pre-COVID, you couldn't drive people to the expo floor. Post-COVID, who the heck do you think is going to get within six inches of you to scan your badge? There is no way in hell that people are just going to be like, here, get super close to my face. Like, that's not going to happen. And so we have to look at how do we blend those worlds together, again, to create unique value for the exhibitor. How do we allow them to have their booths, to drive people to their booths? How do we focus on meetings and recommendations and getting them qualified leads where they're interacting on site? But how do we also increase digital engagement for them? Because if we can get them lead lists, every person that viewed their booth or certain profile data, you know, that helps them to qualify the people, there's a lot that we can do digitally that's within compliance rules that we can have the best of both worlds, the in-person experience combined with digital to equal more value than we even had pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. And a lot of that, I guess, goes around uh, making sessions available ahead of time with that people can view or even registering, but then something comes up and they can't sit at their computer that particular hour and they can watch it uh, watch it later on, but then if there's a follow-up in-person event, they already have that information going in. I like that point that you made earlier about just turning the in-person thing into more of an exchange, a give and take, as opposed to a lecture, Mm -hmm. which uh, I think uh, was a great idea. Well, I think we just have to look at this as an opportunity to change up what we know and to think about, you know, how do people actually interact? What do they actually get value from? And, you know, the the benefit of the digital world is no longer we have all the data. We can tell what sessions do people go to? How long did they stay? Are they meeting with people like there's so much value in that for us to be able to measure and then create the right experiences based off of true behavior? Because, you know, I think the misconception was that in person, we could control what someone could do. Totally not an accurate statement because, you know, you think about it, all attendees are actually virtual attendees, even if you're in person. Before the event, you're getting online, you're figuring out what sessions you want to add to your calendar, you're figuring out who you want to meet with. Even when you're on site in person, you're going back to your hotel room, you're watching content at night, you're planning out your next day. And then post-event, everything is digitally consumption. I want to go and fill out evaluations or download these certain presentations. So, even in person, we're still a digital consumer 80% of the time. And so we just have to use this as an opportunity to rethink how we create value. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Great stuff. Listen, uh, Ali, I really appreciate your uh, coming on the What the Dev podcast today. Appreciate your time. Very uh, insightful stuff. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. And again, I thank uh, all of our listeners for uh, tuning in today. And until next time, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now. <laughs>